welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Friday show, our last show for the week of the first week of the postseason. Uh, I'm your host, Carson. Welcome to the show. Both new and experienced listeners alike, we welcome you and appreciate your support of the show. Um, yeah, today we have, um, we're going to mainly focus on our first round playoff previews. The first round games will start tomorrow. Uh, we have four games uh, on tomorrow's docket and then the other four being on Sunday. So we'll get the first games in all of the first round series over this weekend. Um, and we also have today the final two games in the play-in tournament. Uh, those games will determine, of course, the eighth seed in both conferences. And so there's a lot of action this weekend. Um, so for, first of all, for Monday's show, um, just a little bit of a look ahead. Monday, we will be recapping, um, of course, all of the game ones for each series, as well as these final two play-in games that are happening today. So we'll get a little bit of um, an extra recap compared to what we normally would have as far as uh, what the schedule will look like kind of going forward from this point. So um, that's a little bit of a look ahead to Monday, but let's talk about right now. Um, again, so the play-in tournament, that's wrapping up today. Um, we'll give you some game previews for um, the times and the matchups for this weekend. So uh, stay tuned for that. But um, we'll go ahead and start. Um, we'll start it a little bit differently since we don't have any games from yesterday's action to recap. Nothing, uh, no games happened yesterday. We'll just start with our key news uh, and go, go from there. Firstly, the uh, NBA has officially announced the finalists for uh, this season's different awards, such as MVP, Rookie of the Year, things like that. Um, there's a couple of new ones. Um, actually, some of those might not have been announced, but let's go ahead and run through those uh, awards finalists that have been announced. Three players slash coaches slash people in each category. Um, so kind of narrows it down a little bit. MVP, of course, this was a running commentary throughout the season, but I don't think this is a big surprise as to as far as the final three that are selected, those, you know, final three candidates. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers, and Nicole Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. Um, of course, that's a pretty no-brainer selection there. Giannis and Jokic uh, combined make up for the last four MVPs, so... Um, that's an interesting note, but it seems um, there's a good amount of media that favors Embiid in this uh, this year's race. So we'll have to see how that all turns out. That'll be interesting, of course. Um, <clears throat> next, Defensive Player of the Year, we have Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies, Brooke Lopez of the Milwaukee Bucks, and Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, of course, Jackson and Lopez have been kind of the main frontrunners um, in media circles throughout the, the season as a whole. Evan Mobley, cool to see him in there. Um, you know, he's I've known him to be a solid defender. Um, with the defensive player of the year, more and more, a lot of it is down to the advanced stats, those advanced defensive metrics, which quite honestly, I um am not as experienced with as maybe I should be as far as commentating on it. You know, generally I look at, you know, how many blocks per game are they averaging? How many steals? Um, you know, I've seen a little bit, you know, opponent field goal percentage, some of those types of things, but they can get really in depth um, to narrow out who's been a, a standout defender. But it is worth noting, of course, Jaron Jackson Jr. won his second consecutive block title this season. So that's a factor as well. Those more traditional stats. So that's your defensive player of the year candidates. Next, most improved player. We have three players. Again, this was not really much of a surprise. Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks, Shakel just Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and Larry Markinen of the Utah Jazz. Um, those three are probably the you know, three of the most popular picks 
probably if I had to go with as far as a favorite, um, Shea Gilgis Alexander is probably for me a guy that stands out a little bit more. But Markinen's a close second. Of course, me as a jazz fan, I like to see him in that mix. Um, that one should be interesting as well. In terms of rookie of the year, uh, your three candidates are Paolo Bancaro of the Orlando Magic, uh, Walker Kessler of the Utah Jazz, and Jalen Williams of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, of course, Bancaro, he's been the front runner all season. He would be the clear favorite in this category. Uh, Williams and Kessler have come on late, and Kessler especially. Uh, I'm, you know, I kind of thought he would be in there. I am surprised to not see Jaden Ivey a little bit. You know, I feel like he had a pretty decent rookie campaign, but I suppose the second half, Kessler and Williams were a little bit better overall than uh, Jaden Ivey. So that's a fair point. So those are the, the three candidates for rookie of the year. Next, the uh, sixth man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon of the Boston Celtics, Bobby Portis of the Milwaukee Bucks, and Emmanuel Quickly of the New York Knicks. Uh, Quickly, in particular, similar to Williams and Kessler for the Rookie of the Year award, Quickly came on late, um, especially with uh, times where Jalen Brunson was out with injury. He stepped up in a big way, uh, big time scoring, along with you know keeping the, the Knicks boat afloat. Um, so, you know, late candidate, of course, Portis, Brogdon, those are names that we've, we've been talking about all season. Brogdon may be a bit of a front runner, but that one's pretty close as well. So that one should be interesting. Um, next, this is a, a new award this season, starting this season, the Clutch Player of the Year. Um, and the candidates are Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat, DeMar DeRozan of the Chicago Bulls, and De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings. Um, again, a brand new award. Um, this will be interesting, interesting to see which way they go with this. I think... If you're talking about a favorite, I did see some stats that are in De'Aaron Fox's favor as far as most um, clutch points being defined as a certain uh, time period towards the end of the game. I forget if it's, you know, two minutes, three minutes, what the exact parameters are for that. But um, he would probably be a pretty clear favorite. But uh, again, all three of those guys have had uh, some great performances this season. Finally, coach of the year. Uh, you have Mike Brown, Sacramento Kings, um, Mark Dagonalt of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Um, he's been in the league a while. I should know how to pronounce his name a little bit better. And then uh, Joe Mazzula of the Boston Celtics. Um, you know, diagonal what he's done with the Thunder, you certainly can't deny that um, they have a chance to potentially make an eighth seed in the playoffs, which, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, as soon as they lost Chet Holmgren at the beginning of the season, it was easy to say that they would kind of have to write the season off. Um, but they have been solid they've been consistent and they've also consistently gotten better throughout the season and um credit to him you know he's he's really helped out that organization missoula of course you know dealing with simone his own turbulence in boston with the previous head coach ime yudoka that weird situation um but i mean if we're talking about a favorite and someone who's already won the coaches association coach of the year award mike brown is a pretty clear favorite i mean um to finally break the playoff drought of the Sacramento Kings. And not only to do that, but to do it easily. I mean, they were a three seed in the West. Um, and they have every chance to, you know, take care of business as the higher seed and beat the Warriors in the first round, um, go to the second round, or maybe even conference finals. I mean, this is a team that um, plays well. They've got a great fan base, of course, behind them, but they've got a great structure. Um, they really seem to play for each other. And uh, again, credit to Mike Brown. He's done a great job there. So he'd be kind of my front runner there. But, um, you know, I think there's not really any names here that feel like, okay, well, they're definitely not going to win it. You know, 
all of these guys have had terrific seasons and are well uh, well placed in their candidacy for these awards. So I think it's going to be a great um, it's going to be exciting to see how that shakes out. Um, who gets these awards um, as we go into the playoffs. That's a nice little additional wrinkle to be paying attention to. So that is your, uh, those are your finalists. Um, it looks like, um, let's see the, yeah. So <clears throat> as it's been more common in the past, TNT will reveal the winner of each award during its coverage of the 2023 NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel. I'm reading this direct from the NBA's website. Those announcements will begin next week um, on Sunday, April 16th. The NBA will share the announcement schedule for the week of April 17th. So it looks like they'll let us know when we will know the the winner of each of these awards. So that's nice. In the past, um, sometimes it's just suddenly, oh, here's the winner. Um, and so that'll be nice to have that schedule. Um, but yeah, that's your your candidates. That's really the one of the key items as far as news goes um, today. Next, this was a big one. Um, <clears throat> we mentioned previously that the NBA was going to look into the circumstances around uh, the Mavericks' decision to rest um, several key players in a pivotal game, to say the least. If they lost the game, they were out of the playoff picture entirely. And they rested a bunch of their key guys. Kyrie Irving um, was one of them. I remember, uh, I'm trying to remember who the rest were. I want to say Christian Wood was probably one of them, Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, a bunch of their key role play, or key players and, you know, one of their stars, Kyrie Irving. Um, <clears throat> and I guess the NBA has reached a decision, and it's a pretty monumental one. They are going to be fining the Dallas Mavericks $750,000 for violating the NBA's, you know, policy as far as reporting uh, injuries, resting players, those, you know, fine-tuned details, but also for, quote, conduct detrimental to the league. Um, it was actually Joe Dumars who made the announcement. He's uh, within the NBA's um front office group uh in some capacity i forget his exact role but um yeah basically the the fact that they rested players the nba has come to the decision that it showed the mavericks were um it, pretty much making the decision to lose that game um and it was not in the best interest of you know competition sportsmanship those types of things and so that's the nba's decision on that pretty hefty you know I think we might have seen some fines in that range, maybe even higher in the past, but it's not very common that you see a team find three quarters of a million dollars, um, especially for a one game incident. It's pretty heavy. And maybe it's a, excuse me, this is, you know, tinfoil hat territory, you know, don't expect this to be true at all. But um, you think about the uh, appeal that the Mavericks made after the loss of the Golden State Warriors and, um, you know, the paperwork and the, the time spent on the NBA's part in, you know, dealing with that. Maybe this is payback. Um, I, I will clarify, though, I'm 100% joking. I don't think that that's really a factor. But um, it's it's interesting to note the relationship between the NBA and the Mavericks this season has been a little bit contentious. We could say that uh, without being a little bit without being too outlandish, I suppose. Um <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's get into the rest of our news here. Firstly, the uh, for the New York Knicks, Julius Randle is hoping to return in time for tomorrow's first round uh, game one, which is in Cleveland against Cavaliers. That's their first round matchup. The four and the five seeds there. Um, that's great to hear. You know, I, as soon as he uh, he got injured, I think about the th maybe about three weeks ago at this point, um, that was going to be a huge impact for their playoff hopes. So if he's going to be able to be back 
in time for that series to start, that's huge for the Knicks. That really helps out their chances, and that's going to make that a very close series um, if that's the case. So that's great to hear. Um, news for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, we previously mentioned this as a possibility in the past, but uh, the NBA's Board of Governors has approved the sale of ownership uh, share. So this is just part of the ownership, not, not the full ownership of the team. Uh, they've approved that sale of that share of the Milwaukee Bucks to uh, D and Jimmy Haslam. Um, if you're familiar with that name, they are the owners of the NFL's Cleveland Browns. And so they're expanding their portfolio, I guess, um, to now a part ownership of an NBA team. So that's interesting to note there. Um, I do apologize for having to clear my throat so much. Um, I thought that I was, you know, pretty much within the next day would be fully, you know, cleared up uh, head, throat, chest area. Um, good to go. And I, I feel relatively fine. It's just my throat is not cooperating as far as um, being clear and having my normal voice. So uh, again, I do apologize for that, but we're going to keep going here. Um, our next item, this is um, a very late update on this story, but certainly something we wanted to know about. Um, for the Charlotte Hornets, um, of course, Miles Bridges did not play at all this season. He was not under contract with any NBA team um, due to a, a summertime felony domestic violence charge. Um, and that, you know, went through different court circles. I think that there was, you know, things were generally settled, I suppose. Um, I don't remember if he was um, officially, um, well, I guess a charge is that's, you know, pretty substantial. Um, again, I don't really remember a lot of specifics, but basically, did not play in the NBA this season at all. Um, the NBA, the NBA themselves, <clears throat> after his own, you know, legal proceedings were closed, the NBA opened up their own independent investigation as far as to what their their um, consequences would be for Miles Bridges, as far as how it would impact his, you know, NBA career in the future. Um, so their decision, he has been suspended thirty games without pay. Um, but the caveat is. Um, because he did not play the season at all, was not under contract due to this whole scenario. Um, the NBA has determined that he has already served 20 games out of that 30 game suspension. So I guess this is kind of the resolution of that whole storyline. And now it turns to that next page of, okay, if he's going to make a return to the NBA this upcoming season, first of all, um, which team signs him? Does he go to Charlotte, uh, or, you know, stick with Charlotte? Does he go with another, uh, another club. Um, and then at that point um, he will miss the first 10 games for which he's eligible in the upcoming season. If he's signed, it'll also be interesting to know what kind of a, a contract he's able to uh, secure with this whole situation. Definitely not a positive situation. Unfortunate to hear about um, he's a great player, you know, and he was really, he had really had a, uh, a breakout year for Charlotte this, you know, last season, not this um most recent season, of course, but uh, the 2022 NBA season, he had a really breakout year. Um, and then just for this to happen, it's unfortunate for all parties, but um, hopefully for everyone's sake, anyone involved in this situation, um, <clears throat> there's positive resolution and people are able to go forward and, um, you know, be, be okay in the long run, I suppose. Um, finally, uh, sort of on a similar note, uh, former NBA all-star Sean Kemp, uh, he has been officially charged with uh, first-degree assault following the March incident and arrest that we mentioned at that time. Essentially, um, 
the reporting is, you know, there's obviously conflicting stories uh, from Sean Kemp's uh, personal recollection. It's a self-defense issue, um, you know, personal property being stolen. He tried to re- retrieve it and um, was uh, assaulted himself, had to, you know, retaliate in some manner. Um, and then, of course, on the on the defense side of it, or the uh, the the you know, the, the accusatory side, I'm blanking on the, you know, exact legal name, but on the other side of it, um, they're claiming that he, you know, it, it was his fault in the scenario, um, you know, such and such. So, um, <clears throat> Kemp's lawyer spoke about it. Uh, he, you know, says that Kemp is going to plead not guilty. Uh, they talked about, again, it was a self-defense kind of case, uh, on Sean Kemp's part. So, um, you know, again, we'll keep updates on this. Um, Sean Kemp is one of my favorite all-time players. And so for this kind of stuff to, to be a conversation, um, we don't know the details. We don't know who's guilty, who's, who's innocent, what the, the extent of the scenario is, but it's not, you know, it's just tough for that to even be, you know, a conversation in general, I guess that's my takeaway, but again, hopefully, um, hopefully things get resolved, um, but uh yeah that's it for our our key news uh, a couple of not great fun items i suppose but uh you know those are the things that are going on at the moment um again apologies for having to clear my throat but uh we're now on to the main part of our show we're focusing on our first round previews uh for the again the first round of the playoffs um and it's a little tricky of course with tonight's play in games not finalized we don't know who our first seeds are going to be facing um in each conference the eastern conference it's the milwaukee bucks they're the number one seed and they're also the highest seed overall so if they make it to the finals they will have the home court advantage regardless of who they play um in the west it's the denver nuggets they're the number one seed um and again both those teams we don't know who they're playing yet the bucks will either play the miami heat or the chicago bulls the Nuggets will either play the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves or the Oklahoma City Thunder. So those are the possible matchups there. Um, <clears throat> as far as those series go, and this is perhaps pretty tame, pretty, you know, non-surprising to say, I think it's a pretty safe bet that the, the first seeds win in that scenario. And again, I know that I even, you know, mentioned this point just a couple of episodes ago about, um, it's not out of the ordinary for an eight seed to win against the first seed. Obviously it's very rare, but, um, it's, it's not like it's never happened. It's happened, you know, a handful of times in the NBA's history within the last 25 to 30 years. And so it's possible. Um, it's something that we should always be on the what, what uh, lookout for, excuse me. But, um, you know, as far as, um, oh, hold on, let me get a drink here. See if that helps. <clears throat> okay. As far as, you know, who I think the teams are likely to face, um, we did talk about that in a very brief, um, uh, a little bit of detail, uh, I believe on the last show, um, <clears throat> for Milwaukee, either facing Miami or Chicago, either way, I don't think either of those teams have enough to be able to slow down Milwaukee, you know, um, both the Bulls and he have some defensive capabilities, 
you know, Heat in particular with Adebayo and Butler. But um, as solid as Bam Adebayo is in particular, him matching up against a Giannis type, um, I just don't think that that's it's not quite enough. And again, it's no offense to Bam Adebayo. He's one of the better players in the NBA currently. But um, Giannis is one of the all-time greatest power forwards, period. You know, he's already cemented that legacy for himself. And he's such a difficult matchup, that length, that height. And that's just Giannis. And then you have a great um, great structure around him with Milwaukee. Of course, they've got great coaching, Boone and Holzer. They have great coaching in their own right, you know, Eric Spolstra. But, um, you know, it's just – I just don't see where – Either the Heat or the Bulls have enough to be able to match up against the Bucks. You know, Drew Holiday has shown his ability to carry the Bucks if, you know, they either don't have Giannis or Giannis has an off night. Um, Chris Middleton is still ramping up to hopefully be a, a factor here. Brooke Lopez has emerged as that defensive force um, that really, you know, helps out the rest of the lineup. Their depth is great. You know, Portis is such a unique um, sixth man player providing that front court depth, you know, and, you know, both the heat and the bulls have been inconsistent all season. Um, both teams have struggled at times with the depth bulls, especially with the front court. Um, and to the same extent, the heat, I think have that same issue. They have questions for me as far as their depth overall, but um, yeah, I think for the bucks, that should be a pretty clear matchup, maybe a gentleman's sweep, you know, maybe, um, whether it's the Heat or the Bulls are able to get a game or two. Um, but I think the Bucks should be able to win that series. And similarly, we look at the the Western series, Nuggets versus either the Timberwolves or the uh, Thunder. Um, as far as that series, that play-in game, Timberwolves-Thunder, I think Timberwolves should stand a pretty good chance to win that game, uh, and they would be the team that the Nuggets face. Again, I like what the Thunder have done. Um it's just a tough road on the road in, uh, in Minnesota. They've got one of the more rabid fan bases. They've got Gobert back. They should have enough, I think, to be able to move on to the, to the eighth seed in that first round matchup with the Nuggets. But at that point, Gobert and Towns could cause some issues for Jokic as far as Jokic not being a stellar defender. But Aaron Gordon has been very great as a power forward, a great compliment to Jokic. So, you know, I think that that would be a pretty closely matched a series in that front court. And then um, you get to the back court. Um, it's fairly close, you know, um, Jamal Murray, the star of their back court versus Anthony Edwards, the star of the Timberwolves back court. Um, I think this would be a closer series than that Bucks series. Um, I think this could be, you know, four to two, maybe even four to three. Um, but again, I ultimately think the Nuggets are going to be able to win this. I think that they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, they've had some early playoff exits or at least earlier than you would anticipate with an MVP and one of the top teams in the league. And so I think they're going to have that chip on their shoulder. They're not they're going to be really focused on, you know, hey, we're going to really take care of business in this first round, make sure we get to the second round strong. Um, So that's what I anticipate. I think the Nuggets win that series. But um, that one, I think, would be a little bit closer than um, the the Bucks versus either the Bulls or the Heat. So. um, that's my thoughts there. But now let's go ahead and jump into the series that we know for sure the matchups. And we'll start with that Eastern Conference two versus seven. Um, 
the Boston Celtics with the home court advantage, their two seed versus the visiting Atlanta Hawks, their seventh seed. Um, they got the upset in that planned playing game. So they get that slightly favorable matchup um, where otherwise they would have typically been facing the uh, Milwaukee Bucks in this series. Um, in this series, by the time we get to the series, I might not have a voice at all, but um, in this series, I think that um, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I anticipate Trey young having some big individual games um, and DeJounte Murray being solid alongside him. But um you know, we've seen the Hawks as a team generally struggle, you know, regardless of how well their backcourt plays, Young and Murray, we know they're going to be good. But John Collins in particular, he's been a, a question mark all season. Capella is still solid, but solid, if not underwhelming a bit. Um, <clears throat> DeAndre Hunter is just kind of OK, um, generally speaking, as a, a small forward. He's not a bad player. He's he you know, can do a lot of different things, but he's, um, you know, we haven't seen a ton of growth from him. And then the bench, I do like Bogdanovich. You know, he's a great bench piece. Um, but outside of Bogdanovich, um, you know, Sadiq Bay is good too. You know, it's a, it's a bench. The bench has some players, but, um, you know, Boston's been stout, even though they've had some, some runs where they've struggled. Boston's been stout for the most part this whole season. They've got, um, you know, maybe a guy who feels now that he's been snubbed in the MVP race. He didn't even get to be one of the top three names, you know, Jason Tatum. So maybe that gets him some motivation going into this first round series and going into the playoffs in general. Jalen Brown has been even better this season than he was last season. And that's really saying something. Um, <clears throat> and they've added Brogdon coming off the bench with scoring to support um, Marcus Smart starting at that uh, defensive point guard role. They have Derek White who can, you know, combo guard off the bench. And so they've got plenty of scoring, of course. There are some questions as far as Robert Williams, his health. It was an issue with last season's playoffs. It's a little bit more of an issue this season. Um, Al Horford inside is what, you know, Horford's a little bit more dependable in terms of the injury issue. Um, but they've added Blake Griffin, who's been very productive as a backup in those roles. Cornette's been all right. Um, Sam Hauser's emerged as that three point threat. And so, They've got a better roster overall. That's clear to say. They were a better team this season. Um, I think that should be a pretty clear, favorable matchup for the Celtics. But again, I see the Hawks being able to steal a couple games here. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe the Celtics have to win on the road in a game six. You know, I think it should be a competitive series, but I just don't think the Hawks have enough to be able to, you know, win against the the Celtics. So that's kind of my general take on it. Um and again, I'm, I'm looking through the NBA's, you know, they have their own series previews. They kind of make the same point as far as the next factor for uh, the series being Robert Williams. Um, if he's consistent and he has that defensive impact, um, should easily be five or six games for the Celtics. If he's a question mark, that can open up things for Atlanta, you know, and Capella starts to be that, you know, dominant defensive sort of force inside for either team. And so, that's the question mark. But again, I think the Celtics are pretty favorable in this matchup. Um, <clears throat> next, let's jump to that three, six matchup. So the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, the three seed, the home court advantage against the six seed Brooklyn Nets. And this is an interesting one, of course. Um, kind of the roles reversed. We've had um, the Sixers last year when they were in the playoffs, they were without, um, or no, sorry, that was a couple of years ago. Um <clears throat> 
it's just interesting that Ben Simmons is on the bench, not playing for this Nets team. And now they're facing the Philadelphia 76ers and the Sixers are strong. They've got, a, they had a great end of the season. Generally um, <clears throat> they have the scoring champ and the assist champ in Embiid and Harden respectively. And uh, this Nets team, generally speaking, even though they had some great runs in their own right, generally speaking, um, they were well aided by the the exploits of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, and again, I'm not going to take away from what Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie were able to do once they were in Brooklyn. And they kept this team in, uh, you know, a six seed or above spot. So you've got to give them credit for that. You know, they they held the ship steady. But again, against a Philadelphia team that was solid all year, you know, they've at times, you know, they had dominant regular season runs. But of course, this is a team with an eye on the postseason. And Brooklyn, a lot of their big pieces are now fairly young. You know, Claxon in particular, Claxon matching up against Embiid. As good as Claxon has been this season, I think that's going to be, you know, tough for him just physical stature wise Claxton is long, but he's not ultra stout and beat is solid. He's going to be able to physically um, impose his will on that matchup. And then you have Harden outside. Um, <clears throat> I guess maybe Mikhail Bridges guards him, but then that's going to create some size um, issues a little bit as far as, you know, some guards having to guard some bigger guys for the Sixers, you know, a Tobias Harris who can create his own offense. He's an underrated guy. You know, P.J. Tucker getting those corner threes. Um, I think it's pretty favorable for Philadelphia. They have a home court, mat, you know, home court uh, advantage. And they've been very good in first round series. You know, of course, there's questions with second round onward. But first round, that really hasn't been an issue. And with a potential MVP, along with a scoring champion, Embiid, I anticipate this is a five-game, six-game series. Um, more likely five games. The Sixers are able to win this. But again, um you just never know. And again, it's a good point here. The NBA's website points out the Brooklyn uh, through point ability as being an X factor. Um, I think that's a fair point. You know, Bridges has really emerged as a scoring threat. You have Cameron Johnson who can hit the threes. Dinwiddie is a good shooter at times. And then their bench pieces, that could be a big factor. Both Steph Curry and Joe Harris, you know, that could really open up things for that series. But again, I think generally, uh, the Sixers should stand a pretty good chance in this one overall. Um, yeah. Again, I'll keep saying it. Sincere apologies uh, for my voice in this one. But um, let's jump to that last series uh, before we talk about the West. The Cleveland Cavaliers with the home court advantage. They're the four seed against the New York Knicks, the five seed. Um, we mentioned Randall potentially going to be back for this series. That's going to be big. And if he's back... I think this is maybe um, this is easily the most intriguing first round matchup in the Eastern Conference. And it should be one of the top two or three matchups in the first round um, as a whole. You know, both teams are pretty closely matched. I mean, I think the Cavs do have a little bit of an advantage. Um, each team's best player, Mitchell versus Randall. I think Donovan Mitchell is a better player at this point than Julius Randle is, but it's pretty close. You know, both are all-star level, all-NBA-level players. Um, <clears throat> Mitchell will probably be matched up with, um, uh, I would think, a Jalen Brunson maybe. It feels like he's maybe um, a little bit more of that stout defender 
compared to like a Quentin Grimes, but um, I could see it going either way, you know, um, Brunson and Grimes versus uh, Garland and Mitchell. That's going to be a very exciting backcourt matchup to watch for. Um, <clears throat> both teams kind of play, you know, guys more naturally fit as shooting guards as like your small forward type, you know, Barrett and Okoro. That's an interesting one to watch for as well. Um, and then your front court matchup, um, Mitchell Robinson, the defensive presence with Randall's offensive abilities. That's your combo for New York versus the Cavs, which have just two great defenders, you know, Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley. So that's going to be an intriguing one as well. Both teams have solid bench players. Um, <clears throat> I fully anticipate this one being six games easily, most likely close to seven games. It's going to be a great series, I think. And um, if I had to pick a winner, uh, it sounds easy to go with the higher seed, but as far as individual playoff games, I mean, Brunson was great last year, so we could see that same level of play in this year's playoffs. But Donovan Mitchell in the last few playoffs, um, of course, that was with Utah, but the last few playoffs he's played out of his mind, especially in the first round. So I anticipate the Cavs being able to win this series, but again, I think it's going to be very close. So that's my general take on that Cavs-Knicks series. Um <clears throat> Let's jump to those last three games. Um, the three other matchups in the or three other series, excuse me, in the Western Conference. Um, the first of those being the uh two seed Memphis Grizzlies with the home court advantage against the seventh seed Los Angeles Lakers. And this I'll say right away, this was my pick as far as a upset in the first round. If you remember, uh the three hosts, me uh Wyatt and Justin we've all filled out our own brackets as far as our predictions for the playoffs and I picked the the Lakers to beat the Grizzlies there might have been one other I think either Wyatt or Justin did as well but um I picked the Lakers to win this series because first of all I've talked about the Lakers ad nauseum this season but I feel like they genuinely are a different team compared to last season of course that's easy to see with the roster makeup but the mindset is a different matter. You know, this is a team that uh, is not, they know they're not going to be given anything as far as a playoff series, a playoff berth. You know, they had to fight to get their way to the seventh seed. And so they have that kind of new lease on life. They've got a first round series. And even more importantly, they've got a Memphis team that has had some, uh, some things, some obstacles they've had to overcome um, off the court with John Morant having some, um, excuse me, some personal issues, some media related things to deal with. And more so they've had um, injury troubles. Again, I've talked about it before. The Grizzlies are without Steven Adams and Brandon Clark in the series. So two of their best front court players are affected. And when you have a Lakers team that is strong inside with LeBron and Anthony Davis, um, that could really swing the series. And so that's why I kind of already, you know, I'm leading off. I think the Lakers have a really good chance to win this. Now, again, if Morant goes off, if he plays to the level we know he's capable of in the playoffs, and I think that's more likely than not, um, this will not be any kind of easy series for either team. You know, Morant is a stellar player. Desmond Bain has really emerged as a true bona fide secondary star. Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be a key part of making up that front court difference. You know, his defensive abilities um, against an Anthony Davis, a LeBron, being able to switch, do those types of things. That's going to be important for them. And then Dylan Brooks, you know, if you're talking about the likely matchups for the Grizzlies, 
Jackson Jr. is probably on Anthony Davis, which would leave Dylan Brooks on LeBron most likely. And despite the height difference, that's going to be hugely entertaining. You know, Justin and Justin kind of alluded to it on our, our Wednesday show, as far as Dylan Brooks may be having to take on that, you know, next role, next man up in terms of the, the Lance Stevenson role, um, you know, the irritant matched up against, you know, LeBron in the playoff series. So again, I think it's going to be a pretty close series. Um, seven games would not surprise me. Um, but I do think the Lakers would be a solid pick. And I think it's a very closely matched series, but again, Memphis has a good shot. If Morant and Bain are able to do what they've done all season, then it's going to be very close throughout. So that's the preview as far as that series goes. Um, again, I would kind of favor the Lakers in, in a weird way, but, uh, that's just kind of how it is. Let's jump to that next series. The three seed Sacramento Kings. They have the home court advantage against the uh, six seed Golden State Warriors. So an all California matchup. And um, this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be one of the most exciting playoff series to watch. Um, certainly this season, it's going to be great. Um, as I continue to try and make my voice work here. Um yeah, game one is going to be a spectacle. Sacramento hosting a playoff game for the first time since 2005. Um, trying to get their first win since 2004. That place is going to be rocking. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, but, you know, outside of the home court advantage that you might anticipate the Kings have, we shouldn't forget how much of a home court advantage the Warriors have. This is two of the best home court atmospheres, best fan bases in the NBA, you know, when these teams are solid, you know, Kings, of course, when they're good, the King, the fans are there and they are excited about that team and the Warriors same way when they are competitive in these last several years with championship teams, that place is loud, regardless of if it's Oracle or chase center, you know, both these fan bases are going to be a huge factor and that would generally lead me to believe I haven't talked much about, you know, home teams winning versus away teams winning. Um, generally with the series we've talked about, that's, you know, home teams favored, you'll have your occasional upsets. This one, I almost guarantee you that the home team wins every game, because again, that's going to be such a, a big factor in the series outside of that, the teams themselves, you know, it's all about, what version of the Warriors we get. And if the Warriors we had for this regular season carry over in that case, and the Kings win the series because the Warriors have, you know, once in a blue moon, they win a roads, a road game. Otherwise they can't get wins on the road. But if we're talking about, you know, the previous seasons, Warriors, we're talking about a playoff Warriors team, then Warriors stand a very good chance of winning this one. You know, you have that same, core curry thompson green in the playoffs you know i've said it before with another series but new lease on life it's a, it's a clean slate you don't have to live by the rules that kind of um determined what your destiny was in the regular season you can be a brand new team you can rewrite the rewrite the story and be dominant on the road so there's every chance that warriors win this and it seems like in a lot of media picks that that's a pretty favorable choice, you know, even though it's technically the upset, um, you know, we're still anticipating that warriors run. 
But um, for me, I feel like I want to go with Sacramento again. You know, Sabonis, uh, he was the league's rebounding champ this season. So that's a start. And his size, being able to control the glass against a Warriors team that likes to go small, that could be a big factor. You know, winning the rebounding battle every night could be a big factor for the Kings being able to win the series. Um, Outside of that, there's an interesting footnote with Harrison Barnes being on the Kings now in a playoff series against the Warriors. That should be intriguing to watch for, you know. Barnes at times has been regarded as an overpaid commodity or an underperforming commodity. And, you know, contract-wise, the perception I understand, but he's a solid player. He's got that veteran savvy. He's been, of course, on a championship team with those same Warrior squads, um, 2015. And he's now, you know, a veteran. He's an inside player. His matchup is probably against you know, either Draymond Green or um, Kevon Looney. And so that's going to be interesting to watch for. But, um, you know, he's a solid player in this series. Um, De'Aaron Fox against Steph Curry. That's going to be hugely entertaining to watch along with Herter against Thompson. Um, You know, Herter was compared vaguely when he was drafted by the Hawks and the Hawks also drafted Amari Spellman. I remember the, the, the draft conversation being around the Hawks are trying to build the East Coast Warriors. They've got Trey Young as their Steph Curry, Herder as their Clay Thompson, and Omari Spellman as their Draymond Green. Unfortunately, for Spellman's sake, that didn't exactly work out. But Herder has sort of be- become that type of a player in terms of, you know, being a solid three point shooter. You know, again, it's different classes of player. Thompson is clearly a better player than Herder is, but, um, <clears throat> and again, you know, Thompson's more versatile as far as, you know, he's bigger, stronger, defensively solid. Um, Herter's just kind of an okay-ish defender, but, um, you know, the three-point ability is there, and I think that, you know, the comparisons kind of make that interesting as well. Um, X-factor would be, for me, Keegan Murray. You know, rookie player, tough, uh, you know, playoff series against uh, recent, you know, the defending champions and the Warriors. Um, He has the home court advantage, and he's been solid all season, but with rookies, you never know how they're going to respond in the playoff series. They could rise to the occasion. They could completely shrink. And so seeing the way he plays could be a big factor in this whole series, you know, because if he's not playing well, the Kings have to kind of rework the roster a little bit, figure out how to play without him, you know, shooting well. And that could be, you know, the end of the series, it could determine a Warriors victory. But if he plays well, he continues to shoot three ball well, then I would anticipate the Kings having a pretty solid chance in this one. Um, and so, but, uh, you know, fair enough point, the NBA's website, they mark the X factor as Andrew Wiggins. He of course would be the matchup with, um, Keegan Murray. He's been, you know, he was lights out in the playoffs last year, his performance, um, depending on how he's able to play, um, with all that time missed during the regular season, that's certainly an X factor too. Um, but again, I would lean towards Keegan Murray as far as his impact on the series, but both, I think, valid choices. But uh, yeah, this is one of the close series along with that uh, Cleveland-New York Knicks series. I think that'll be interesting. Grizzlies-Lakers should be close. Um, and our final series, this one I think would not quite be as close, but it should still be competitive. And that is the uh, the Phoenix Suns, the four seed, the home court advantage team versus the LA Clippers, the five seed. Um, Closely matched, 
then an interesting last game of the season, which was against each other to determine who would be, um, you know, fifth seed, if that would be the first round matchup. And it is um, in this series with Durant back at seemingly full health and a Suns team generally as strong as they are going to be with Durant. You know, of course they gave up the forward depth with Bridges and Cameron Johnson and, they also gave up Jay Crowder despite him not playing the season, but the front court is not a stout, you know, behind Kevin Durant. Of course, Durant's going to be great. Um, but alongside him, it's now Torrey Craig and uh, TJ Warren. They're trying to work him in who's had his own injury troubles and um, maybe a Landry Shaman if they want to play him at a three, you know, so the, the front court depth, um, those wing spots are a question, but they've still got Aiton. And they've got that backcourt pairing, Paul and Booker. Paul regressing a bit, it seems, in some stats, but Booker as solid as ever with Durant, with Aiton. It's going to be tough to to face that, especially for a Clippers team that comes into this without Paul George. They've now got Kawhi, of course, an all-NBA type player. And then outside of Kawhi Leonard, they have Russell Westbrook, who's had a bit of a resurgence, it seems, with the Clippers. Evita Zubats, who's been a solid defender. And then the depth is okay for the Clippers, but you compare that to what the Suns have, I'm just not sure what the Clippers are able to do to really make up that gap. Um, the the NBA website, they mentioned uh, Norman Powell being the X factor here. That's fair. You know, I mean, his scoring off the bench is a big factor for the Clippers. But um, generally speaking, again, I anticipate the Suns being able to win this series four games to two, four games to one, even if it really works out their way. But Kawhi against Durant should be fantastic to watch. And if Kawhi can really dominate, you know, he's been solid all season, but he hasn't been, um, I wouldn't say truly elite and truly dominant like he's been in past years. Um, If he can take it to that next level and dominate the matchup with Durant, and, you know, Westbrook can really be a big factor for the Clippers. That's what's going to give them a chance to win if they if they want to try and win the series. Um, but again, I would take the Suns in this series. Fairly competitive series, but not quite as competitive in my mind. Uh, I don't anticipate it being as competitive as Kings, Warriors, Grizzlies, Lakers, or uh, Cavs, Knicks. But again, all these series are going to be great to watch. You know, I'm super excited about this playoffs. We've already had some great action in the play-in games, and so those games are going to be great to watch out for. Um, So let's go ahead and get things wrapped up first with giving you the schedule for these games. When are we going to start seeing these series? And uh, the answer is it starts tomorrow. First game is your Sixers hosting the Nets. Uh, Game one of that series, that's 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on ESPN. For me, over in Mountain Time, that's 11 o'clock. So it's getting started pretty early, and it's going to go throughout the day, all four games. It's going to be great to watch uh, all of these games or watch them as many as you want. Um, But that's your first game, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, Sixers hosting the Nets on ESPN. Then... At 3.30 Eastern Standard Time on ESPN, the Celtics host the Atlanta Hawks um, in their first-round series. Then at 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, ESPN again, the Cleveland Cavaliers host the New York Knicks. And then finally, 8.30 Eastern Standard Time, this time on ABC, technically through the ESPN network, those two kind of tied together. Um, The Kings 
will host the Warriors. So we'll have three Eastern Conference matchups, one Western Conference matchup on tomorrow's slate. So that'll be great to watch out for. And then on Sunday, we'll have the uh, first games of those series. Um, and those, a couple of those are still technically to be determined as far as the team, but the times are set. So um, Sunday, the first game, 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on ABC, the Memphis Grizzlies host the Los Angeles Lakers. Then at 5.30, <coughs> excuse me, 5.30 on East, on TNT, Eastern Standard Time, the Milwaukee Bucks host the winner of the Heat or the Bulls. Again, to be determined. At 8 o'clock on TNT, Eastern Standard Time, the Phoenix Suns host the LA Clippers in their first round series. And finally at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, again, TNT, the Denver Nuggets play host to either the Thunder or the Timberwolves. So that is your slate of games for Saturday and Sunday. Um, we'll give you real quick Monday as well. There's only two games on Monday. Uh, we'll have game two of the Sixers-Nets series, again in Philadelphia, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time on TNT. And then at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, TNT as well, game two of the Kings-Warriors series. Again, that second game will also be in Sacramento. So those are your games Saturday through Monday. Great slate of action, of course, with tonight's games, we'll determine who's going to be those final two seeds in uh, the playoffs as a whole. It's going to be great to watch out for. I'm really excited for that. So those are your game previews. Um, again, I'm almost done. Uh, we've just got our This Day in History fact for you, and then we'll wrap up today's show. Uh, so today's uh, for today's This Day in History fact, we're going back to 1985. Uh, so just about uh, 40 years at this point. Uh, so April 14th of 1985, Mark Eaton of the Utah Jazz concluded the 84-85 season with 456 total block shots for an average of 5.56 blocks per game, which both still stand as NBA records. Um, any chance we get to talk about big Mark Eaton, love to talk about it. And, uh, you know, he's another one of those many guys that we've kind of lost too soon. You know, he wasn't too old. He's passed away recently. And, uh, one of the jazz all-time greats, that's definitive. One of the great shot blockers of all time. Um, but he was a great person outside of the NBA, outside of the game of basketball as well. Uh, you know, <clears throat> motivational type guy, uh, wrote some books, you know, did some of those types of things. So he was a great, great guy for the NBA family as a whole. So definitely uh, miss him a lot. But um, that's our This Day in History fact, and that's our Friday show for you. Um, once again, I've said it throughout. Apologies as we close here for my voice, um, I do anticipate, and I hope that I'm not um, naive in this, but I anticipate by Monday when we come back for our uh, game one recap show, um, along with the last couple games of the playing tournament, by Monday, I should be pretty much cleared up. I anticipate, I don't think, especially since we won't be doing an episode Saturday and Sunday, that'll give my voice hopefully a chance to recover. Um, I've had a bit of a cough too. Hopefully that's gone and we'll be back to full strength on Monday's show. But again, apologies. Uh, I appreciate you bearing with me as I sound a little bit like I've um, aged very rapidly or, you know, maybe as if I, you know, was a heavy smoker or something of that nature, but um, you know, appreciate you sticking with us again. Appreciate the support on the show. If you want to check out our Instagram page, that's crossover across time on Instagram, all one word, no caps, um, we share content from the show along with doing our best to share content from across the NBA. 
So it's a great place, along with the podcast itself, to stay up to date on what's going on in the NBA as a whole. So definitely check that out. Uh, thank you all again for listening. We will have a bonus episode later. Um, after we wrap up this episode, I'll have a chance to try and refresh my voice, clear things up before we record our final franchise focus episode, a bonus episode in which we'll talk about the Washington Wizards. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back with you then, or we'll be back with you on Monday, depending on what you choose to listen to. Uh, But with that being said, thank you all for listening. Uh, We really appreciate it.